All right, so let's go to the Browns. This is a fun team to, to, to look at for a number of reasons. I mean, because, you know, we got to start with the quarterback. You know, Baker Mayfield, he was touted by, you know, Scott McEwen and as a special consultant with their, their team that he was going to be the next, you know, Frank Gore. I mean, excuse me, the next, not Frank Gore. He might end up the next Frank Gore at the rate he's playing. But he actually, he's more as like the next Brett Favre. And then, you know, there were people who compared him to Russell Wilson. And I kind of saw more as Jeff Garcia. He had a really good first year, um, you know, really strong out of the gate. But some of the problems with pinpoint accuracy were kind of there. Some of the problems with being able to stay within the confines of the pocket were there. Some of the issues with not being able to step up into the pocket and or the unwillingness to do were absolutely there. And they continued on last year. But they didn't have, they didn't have good ta- um, tackles. Um, their tackles were pretty weak. That exacerbated the weaknesses that Baker Mayfield had. Odell Beckham was hurt. That exacerbated some of the some of the, um, the rapport that they had and the ability to to play at a fine point in terms of probably pinpoint accuracy. It didn't help that this team and organization thought that Baker Mayfield should be the focal point of the offense. So they used Nick Chubb for much of the year kind of side saddle to Baker Mayfield and used him flanking him in pistol as opposed to maybe behind him in pistol or with Baker Mayfield under center more often. And when they did that, that meant that defenses, when they anticipated a run play, they could basically cut off the front side of the play and Nick Chubb didn't really have two-way goes to be able to make efficient choices. He had to create where basically he was running towards a brick wall and didn't really have a a way to continue downhill and change direction. He had to be a lot more creative to get back to the line of scrimmage or get minimal gains. You add Kareem Hunt to the mix last year, comes back from suspension, you know, gets his debut, plays pretty darn well. There's some promise there. Beckham, we still know he's a great receiver when healthy, but we need to see him stay healthy. Jarvis Landry plugging along, you know, good player, surprisingly decent as an outside receiver when they used him as such, Um, known more as a slot guy. That's really where you want him. And then you had David Njoku, everyone's favorite athletic guy, the sexy pick, the one who doesn't, isn't consistent enough pass catching and route running. And to the point that he knows the writing's on the wall because you enter Kevin Stefanski comes from the Vikings offense. They ran two tight end sets. They ran three tight end sets. They ran 22 personnel um, and 21 personnel. um, A lot like the Ravens, just in a very different way. You know, they used the quarterback under center. They ran a lot of play action. Highly, they made Kirk Cousins. They turned him in to, they transformed him from being a top 10 fantasy starter with low efficiency to a number 19th ranked fantasy starter with high efficiency because they realize that they don't want to lean on Kirk Cousins to win games for them. They want to get ahead early. They want to be able to play defense. They want to be able to run the ball and they want to give Kirk Cousins highly efficient plays to run off of. So they're going to do the same thing. Imagine Baker Mayfield as a bowler. They're going to, they're going to put the inflatable tubes in the gutters for Baker Mayfield with this offense. They're going to put them, they're going to, and those inflatable tubes are going to be the tight ends to supplement the addition of Jack Conklin at left tackle or right or at right tackle and Jedrick Wills at left tackle, considered the best prospect at the tackle position, the kid out of Alabama, that they, that might be in the draft, in that draft class. And it's a pretty good draft class of left tackles this year. Those guys are going to, create a little softer pocket for Baker Mayfield and hopefully he doesn't veer outside to there um, too often like he tends to do but they'll create but when he does veer outside it's going to be by design going to be a lot of play action should raise his yards per attempt should be able to reduce the amount of times he gets sacked 
should help him find easier openings where he can throw the ball. Um, even if it's not on time, he'll still be able to throw it um, and get it to the receiver and he'll still be open and be able to make the catch. Showed up his completion percentage from last year a bit. Um, because all of this is fueled by the running game. And with the addition of those tackles and the fact that they're going to run outside zone, which is Nick Chubb's best thing, probably one of the best things that he does, um, even though he's probably as skilled at any at any le- type of blocking that you can give him, he's, a, he's special in outside zone. You're going to give him that. You're going to give him tackles this year instead of what they had. Um, and and tight ends to block for him. And then Andy Janovich at fullback. And if Kareem Hunt weren't here, we might be talking about Nick Chubb as a 2,000-yard candidate as a rusher. Um, and I know that sounds like hype, but the, I'm not a... It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. This is, the, this is the best... This is the teaching tape running back of the league right now. And the only other back that I would put in his class, the only three backs I'd put in his class, and they're all different... Um, well, actually, I'll say the only the only one backup in his class because they're the only two similar guys is Ezekiel Elliott. They're they're very similar backs in certain in certain regards, but I would say Nick Chubb's a little faster. Um, so you so you you there you basically have Ezekiel Elliott plus in in this range. And all apologies to Saquon Barkley, he's a he's a freakish runner. Nick Chubb is very close as a um, athlete. Um, he's just a smarter runner than, than Saquon Barkley is, um, period. And, and that's bared out so far. So, you know, this team, the tight ends are going to factor more. We get Austin Hooper. We get Harrison Bryant, who's an interesting rookie. We're going to talk about all of this, uh, you know, with our lead up here. So, you know, when we think about this offense, we think about what they did this year to last year. What do you have to set up for us, Dwayne? And you did a great job there, Matt. Like you, I think you got most of it. But uh, you know, the thing I would say is it's this is one of those deals where we see the fingerprints of the offense. You got the new coach coming in. It's very clear what they want to do. It's just a matter of can they execute on it, right? Can they keep the game scripts where they want? This team wants to run the football. Um, you know, if you look at what Stefanski did last year, what he learned under Gary Kubiak. Um, you know, that was his one true year to have a whole season calling the plays. He was 49% pass, 51% rush. Um, he was 57% pass and 43% run and neutral scripts. Um, so that's excluding, uh, you know, uh, any plays where the score is outside of within three points. And that's excluding any um, plays inside the two minute warnings, you know, so it's just an easy way to kind of compare apples to apples as far as offenses go. So he was still, uh, willing to throw the ball in neutral scripts, but he's using the run to, to help, you know, set that up. They did when, you know, uh, they did lead in a lot of games last year. So that obviously, you know, led to that 49% pass, 51% rush, but I've got them this year, you know, Matt at 54% pass and 46% run. And if the defense is good and it can step up, I think it could even be more. You know, um, if the defense is really bad, it could slip a little bit the other way, you know. So I think a lot hinges on the defense, um, you know, and and how the team can come out and be competitive and if they can keep the games close. But we clearly know, I mean, just think of all the things you just outlined. They trade for a fullback in Andy Janovich. That gives them the 21 personnel they want. They go sign Austin Hooper, right? They don't want David and Joko to leave. Their goal was to run 12 personnel with those two guys. They're going to run 21. They're going to run 12. They're going to run 22. They want to do all those things you talked about. You grab Jack Jack Conklin as a free agent who is really good in the run game, not quite as good as a pass blocker, uh, but no doubt about it, about what he can do in the run game. Um, And like you talked about what what that sets up for with outside zone, uh, because now you're in outside zone. If you got a really bad tackle, you're immediately eliminating right one of the three reads that the runner's making so that's not a good good thing but you add jack conklin and then you go draft you know jedrick wills jr in the first round i mean it's man i don't know i've never seen something so clearly telegraphed with they're being decisive they're making moves based on um i think the personnel they already had as well as what their head coach wants to do so i'm super excited 
I'm excited to see if they can execute, you know, on this plan, you know, will they be able to, or not? Again, there'll be some things with the defense and that their opponents will have something to say about that. Right. You obviously they're going to have to play, you know, the Ravens uh, twice. So those are going to be tough games. The Steelers are always going to play you tough. So, I mean, you're not in an easy division, you know, the Bengals are going to be improving, but it's, it's, it's a thing where when I look at it, I'm like, wow, they know exactly what they want to do. And I think to your point, it, I think it's a good thing for Baker Mayfield to your, to, I think this, he can maybe be the kind of guy that, you know, can, he can still win football games, but just don't make him the focal point of everything you're doing. And what's funny is I remember you last year telling me when we were doing this very show around Cleveland, the warts you were worried about with Baker Mayfield and how they just didn't show up as much as you thought they would in year one. And boy, did they show up in year two <laughs> you know his his grade from a clean pocket matt 26 out of 35 looking in the pff uh quarterback annual under pressure wasn't bad five out of 35 um, but then if you look at his turnover worthy plays 23rd out of 35 um, third down grade 24 out of 35 um, so i mean he's got he's got some issues that are going on you know if you look at his accuracy and you know what he's been able to do there and you, you talked a little bit about that last year too um, as far as pinpoint accuracy, he was 21 out of 35 as accuracy, as far as accuracy goes, at least throwing it within the frame, you know, of your receiver, he was 30th out of 35. He was 27th out of 35, as far as being helped out by his receivers. Basically he threw a pass that wasn't really accurate, but they caught it anyway. So he got some help, you know, from his receivers and then uncatchable balls. He was 27th out of 35. So he's got some real problems. Um, but I, what I'm hoping is you get him in a, into a scheme where, like you said, he's not the focal point. Everything is set up to look the same and you create more space, you know, for your quarterback to work. You attack the inner areas of the field with, with safeties and zones with these tight ends. Um, I think there's an opportunity, you know, for Baker, you know, to improve. He just, he wasn't very good. And really it's kind of, I'm, I'm looking at everything I can here in front of me. Um, there, there's not a lot positive to say about him. I, I can't really find anything that I'm just like, well, here's a silver lining for Baker Mayfield. There just wasn't one last year, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that he can't, you know, improve, but it is worrisome when a player struggles in every single area, because you're kind of like, man, you'd like them to have something to be able to hang their hat on. Um, and he just doesn't have anything. So right now I've got the Browns, like I said, at 54, 46, as far as pass to run. Um, that's, I've got them at 975 plays. Vegas has them at eight and a half wins. Um, you know, last year they won six games. So I could see that going, you know, really either way. I think just the way they're going to manage games alone, Matt, I think they're going to get to their eight wins, right? I think they're going to, they're going to find ways, you know, to keep the games close, play to the strength of the team. And, and they've even strengthened those areas more, you know, through the off season. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see about, you know, what happens as far as Mayfield, you want me to go ahead and sure. share what I got on him yeah. and you can jump into him. Yeah. As far as Baker goes, um, I've got this as a situation where I still see him taking, you know, all the snaps this year. Um, but I've got him in a completion percentage of 62%, um, 527 attempts. Um, I've got him at seven and a half yards per attempt. So I'm giving him, you know, a bump versus what we saw, but that's part of the scheme, right? Helping create some more balance, letting the receivers do some of the work for him. Um, I think that's going to help him. I've got him at 3,900 yards. I've got him at 25 touchdowns. So that's 4.75% touchdown per attempt. Um, you know, it's not great, but it's not, you know, bad. You know, I've got him above, you know, some of these other guys like you know that's even with josh allen you know but it, but it's above like a teddy bridgewater but it's definitely below like you know the the better quarterbacks in the league you know he's not there with i've got him below Dak, below stafford uh you know below i got him even with rivers right now which you know i like rivers more than i do you know mayfield but rivers obviously is getting a little long in the tooth but i have him at 13 picks and then i've got him at 35 rushing attempts at four yards per carry for 140 yards and two rushing touchdowns so in fantasy perspective, from a fantasy perspective, that's 271 points. Um, I don't really see him as somebody that I'm looking to draft or do anything with. I'm basically letting him hang out on the wire. And if he proves something, I do think there's a chance that he can improve just based on the scheme alone. Um, but at the same time, if, if they're winning the way they want to be winning, the running game is going to be you know a much bigger part of the offense. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's very fair. And when you think about Mayfield – uh, yeah, like all those stats. I mean, just pretty much again, you know, indicate what you what you 
could have seen on the field with him at Oklahoma when you start looking at things projecting to the NFL game. Not so much the stats that are there, but what, you know, projecting what it is that he's going to have to do um, that that was kind of apparent on film. So, um, you know, yeah, he struggled. The interesting thing about this is that, you know, I have Mayfield, I have the Browns having a little more success with the run this year. So I actually have them throwing 51.5% of the time and running 48.5% of the time. So it's a little bit higher towards the run. I think they're going to have a little bit more success with that because I just expect that there's going to, we're going to see more field flipping plays um, Mm -hmm. out of this because where Nick Chubb flipped the field an awful lot, you know, for a back in the past two years without an offensive line outside um, tackles and without a quarterback who could really reinforce things at the level that they'd like to see. Um, Now he's going to have tackles. I mean, this is good. This could be interesting. I would not be surprised if Nick Chubb leads the needs leads the league in breakaway runs. I mean, there's big play runs that are over 15 yards, and then I don't know what breakaway runs are qualified as, but I would not be surprised if he has a handful of runs over 40, over 50 yards that are like more than anybody, including Saquon Barkley this year. So we'll get to that. Mayfield, 480 attempts for me fewer a little you know about 50 fewer i think than Dwayne had 302 completions at a 62.9% completion rate close just a little higher lower on the yardage standpoint i'm at 3550 yards for 7.4 yards per attempt so i'm almost at seven and a half um 24 touchdowns i'm at, at 5% attempts to touchdown ratio um so t- 5% of the attempts will be touch um touchdowns 17 interceptions. I still have them at a high level of interceptions here. Um, now, the thing about this is I'll, I'll get to that in a moment because I'm probably going to have to change that number, and I may have to change all of his numbers when I get to this point in a second. Rushing yards, <laughs> 30 attempts, 125 rushing yards, two touchdowns. I have him as my 26th-ranked quarterback. Um, I'm not touching him at all. He's on my do-not-draft list that I just put out um, this, this morning. Baker Mayfield, if he's if he gets to nine interceptions by midseason, I would not be shocked at all if we're seeing this as a Case Keenum-led offense. And the fact that they brought in Case Keenum is an excellent move by the Cleveland Browns. It's not because Case Keenum is the be-all, end-all of backup quarterbacks even, um, but he's an experienced player who started, who's had a couple of good seasons, who... Stefanski knows at least a little bit, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, what Keenum did in Minnesota. And and Keenum's a guy who wants to play. He's one of those starters that wants to play. So Mayfield came to a Cleveland organization that essentially they really didn't, you know, they had a backup his first year. They had Tyrod Taylor, but... Do they really have a, an experienced guy who's like going to be a, a great option for his development long term? Well, Taylor was only there for part of the year, really, or for the year. Keenum's a guy that I think kind of helps them out to give them, again, a veteran voice, but also a soft kick in the ass. Kind of a, a quiet one that the media is not necessarily going to go nuts over and make it into a story in August. But if Mayfield's not playing well, you best believe Mayfield knows that Keenum's going to be in there working and maybe trying to outwork him. And if that happens, then we're going to hear that story. And Keenum will be more than good enough to keep this game, this balance, this team at least somewhat balanced in terms of offense. So if that, if Maker Mayfield gets to nine, t- nine interceptions by, say, week six, week seven, it's over. The Baker Mayfield experiment is over, and they will be, and they will be drafting one of the really good quarterbacks in this, um, in this draft. And I hope to God, if they can't get, you know, Lawrence, that they get North Dakota State's Trey Lance, who is unbelievable in the play action game, great play action fakes, great dropbacks, great feet good in the pocket can run a little bit um 
he reminds me of one of my favorite quarterbacks, Steve McNair. And if you can get a guy like Trey Lance in this outside zone where you can work outside the pocket, then you not only now have placed a you know the Browns have you have you said they've made it clear what they are. They placed an oak handle on the end of a sledgehammer and you know a blunt you know ending there, um, and they've probably placed put they have two sledgehammers basically on either side of the handle. They might be able to like turn this into like some sort of like working class, um, you know, working class, um, you know, ninja star for, you know, with the third handle, like kind of poking out of it with a guy like Lance. So anyway, let's go to the receivers. So we don't take too much more time with this and I'll, so, I'll start just go first on this team. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So that was my, that was my, as close as I can get to imitating John Madden with a turducken, but using, <laughs> using tools. So, um, Odell Beckham, you know, the stat you raised about, you know, receivers helping them out, that flies in the face of some of the analysis I hear from Brown's Faithful, who are like, well, the, Odell Beckham got hurt. So it explains that. You know, he wasn't able to kind of win some of those balls that Baker Mayfield got near him that he couldn't quite catch. I think that maybe that flies in the face of some of that, unless there's some specific stats that show that Beckham was like, was the exception to that, to what you stated. But I have him, you know, this, we saw in this one off in this offense, and maybe I should have gone back and look at Houston as an example under Gary Kubiak. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that there's going to be one guy who's really the target hog um, in this offense. Or if it's if you have close to comparable guys, that means that you're having you're not going to have a true fantasy number one receiver in this offense. So I've kind of split it. I have Beckham at 105 targets, 64 catches, 1,028 yards for 16 yards per catch six touchdowns I'm playing it kind of low for Beckham Beckham has 1400 yard upside if you ask me as a player in this offense maybe he has closer to 12 or 1300 yards if you expect Jarvis Landry not to be much of a factor if you expect the tight ends not to be much of a factor I think that's hard to hard to actually make a good claim for when you look at what the Vikings did last year and they had two good receivers in Thielen and Stefan Diggs, even though Thielen got hurt for a little bit. You know, you know, Diggs basically wind his way out of there after, you know, getting a new contract recently and then like not being happy and oddly went to an offense that's kind of similar <laughs> in some ways. He but, may be less happy. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and we had that conversation. So all right. So Beckham, yeah. Beckham, I, I have him as a fantasy quality receiver, but there, you know, there's maybe two to three hundred yards that he could get more of based on ability that he won't. Landry, I have at 93 targets at 61 catches, 835 yards, 13.6 yards per catch, which is high for him. Like where you this is a guy who's usually 10, 11 yards per catch. You, you know, but I think they use him a little bit more on the outside at times. I think some of these big play action opportunities will allow him to to pad those numbers a little bit more. I also have him at six touchdowns in this offense. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Okay. I didn't have him ranked very high in the 2020 rookie scouting portfolio. I you know, I still had him graded pretty well, but in this rich receiver class, I didn't have him ranked as high. I do see the hidden upside with him because, you know, John Harbaugh's brother um, is absolutely the death knell to college passing offenses. I mean, you can't, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's unbelievable. He's like, he's completely the passing game eraser. I mean, like if he, if he comes back to, if he comes back to um, the NFL, I won't be shocked if like, we'll be hearing, um, we'll be hearing all the, all the analytics people talking about like he's the new Jeff Fisher. I mean, like it will probably it's it's going to be it will be epic in terms of like the types of things that we hear about that. But Peoples Jones is a fantastic prospect, one of the best open field runners um, and punt returners in this class. And I've updated my RSP um, 
criteria for ranking receivers. And if you see behind me that blackboard, it's a lot sparser than what it was last year because I basically took all that information I had and applied it in ways I did. And I started re-ranking the 2020 class based on, on, based on that new criteria. Donovan Peoples-Jones would have been one of my top five to seven receivers on the board um, in terms of talent. Um, so I'm actually much higher on him when I look at that than what I've probably stated. And I'll probably be talking about that a little bit more in upcoming RSP casts. Um, so he's an interesting guy. I've met 20 targets, eight catches, 105 yards for a touchdown. Not much because they use a lot of two receiver sets. They probably won't do as much 11 personnel. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see some promise out of him. Um, Rashard Higgins, you know, 15 catches, five or 15 targets, five catches, 57 yards. Nice rapport with Baker Mayfield. You know, that's charming. Whatever. You know, not this, not in this offense. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening unless, again, guys get hurt. Damian Ratley, nice special teams player, I guess. Um, Taewon Taylor, uh, a favorite among folks who love speed. Um, he'll be a nice guy to have in case three guys get hurt. Um, so, you know... You, the, the, to me, it's Beckham and Landry, and then you're looking at, you know, the tight ends, which we'll get to in a minute. Dwayne, go, go ahead and do the, go ahead go and do, do your the, tight ends. Okay. Yeah, do them, and then okay. I'll do it all together. Okay, good. I, I also, in context, what I would like to do for this one, if you don't care, yeah. is go ahead and do the running back receiving too, because I, there's the Kareem Hunt angle here. Okay, right? good. So I, so you go ahead, and then I'll, I'll do all that. Okay, good. Austin Hooper, listen. I think a lot of people are like David Njoku is going to be the receiving back, receiving tight end, and Austin Hooper is going to be more the blocking tight end. Austin Hooper, I, listen, I've watched the Atlanta Falcons every week for football guys <laughs> since like two thousand, since I've been there, two thousand nine. Matt Ryan is not the greatest red zone passer. Okay, he he misses first reads a lot more than you would realize, and he does not like to throw. Um, contested balls. That's just not his thing. And when he has, he's gets kind of angry about, he, or not angry, but he gets kind of super cautious after he does and doesn't work out. So it's like it's a reinforcing type of situation. Self-reinforcing kind of like never going to do it. See, it didn't work, so I'm not going to keep doing it. And it is a low percentage play. But that said, Austin Hooper was known at Stanford for winning contested plays. He was, he was, he's not super unbelievably fast, but he can stretch the seam well enough on play action. He's got a great quick first step. He usually makes the first man miss or breaks the first tackle in the open field. So they used him a lot in the flats in the red zone to where he could break the first tackle and get in and in, get into the red area or get into the end zone. But if Baker Mayfield, as we've seen for good or for bad, ain't afraid of throwing the contested balls. So I think we're going to see a little more contested catches out of Austin Hooper. Um, I think David Njoku's days are numbered, even though they wanted to keep him, and I agree that they should. He's an underachiever. I liked him out of college. He was my second-rated tight end in that class. He hasn't grown. Harrison Bryant is my top-ranked receiving tight end in this class. He's great at finding um, second-chance openings as a receiver when the first break doesn't come open. Great scramble drill player. Good in the open field. Not a bad H-back type. So I think what we're going to see is Njoku starts the season, but I have Hooper really is the catch leader of the tight end. 60 targets, 41 catches, 405 yards, and 5 touchdowns. He's kind of the Kyle Rudolph in this offense. I have Njoku at 38 targets, 19 catches, 168 yards, um, two touchdowns and plenty of bench time. Then I have Harrison Bryant at 27 catches coming on, 18 reset or 27 targets, 18 catches, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. So he kind of takes over for Njoku. And that gives you, you know, some decent look in terms of the receiving game. I think Austin Hooper being the guy, that puts him really among my tight ends as a you know he's lower than most people would expect i actually have him you know essentially 
outside of the top 15 in my like in my lower half of the top 20 but the upside for him could be touchdowns um you know for him in terms of he could he could wind up into the top 15 if he gets double digit touchdowns and there's a there's a real upside that he could do that um and he if he gets a if maybe i take away some of the the other things here with him in terms of um receiving yards and give him a little bit more take it away from a little more from Njoku or from my other running back that i've projected a good bit of um rush um receiving yards to maybe he could crack that top 15 but i'm not as high on him as others i think you're gonna see him a lot as a blocker as a guy who gets big plays drifting out of the backfield where he kind of gets hidden and then works across the field and then key red zone looks and then you're gonna see them try to use Njoku as like the Irv Smith type, you know, and stretch the seam and some of the longer plays that are matched up against good matchups, and he's going to fail. And then they're going to go with Bryant, and he's going to do okay, but be kind of a mixed bag. So then that means the running backs. The running backs to me are going to be the difference between the Minnesota offense and the Cleveland offense. I have Kareem Hunt at 48 targets, um, 37 catches, 328 yards, and a touchdown. Most people are going to find that much lower than what most people have because they think Kareem Hunt is going to take over as the receiver because the last final games that he came back, he just basically was, he eliminated Nick Chubb's receiving game. Not so fast because when you look at that those numbers a little closely, there were two games where the Browns just basically got blown out against the Ravens and the Bengals. And in those games, you know, yeah, Hunt's, uh, Chubb's receiving yardage did get cut some, um, but that and but the rushing yards didn't really get cut a lot. And when you look at like the ratios of production, it wasn't like when Keen, Kareem Hunt came back or when the Browns went, even went in the blowout mode that he dominated in receptions. It was kind of still a steady thing. If Chubb didn't do well, Kareem Hunt didn't do well. Basically, if the run game, if the rain, run game sucked or they got taken out of their game script, they it was pretty much over for both of them. Kareem Hunt was just a little better as a receiver. So I look at this and I, I know people look at Kareem Hunt and they go, well, Think about that play against New England where he beat Cassius Marsh on Monday night where he runs the you know the wheel route and, and just whips him and catches that play downfield. They're going to do that all day. Well, if all day accounts for what Dwayne showed with the, San, the Chargers offense with Austin Eckler and we talked about Austin Eckler and about how few downfield throws are actually made to running backs, then have fun with that. You know, So then we start looking at what kind of throws are going to be made off play action to running backs well probably occasionally i think one or once or twice you'll probably see them both in the same backfield where hunt runs the wheel route and they they fake the they they give the play fake to chubb and hunts wide open sure they may do that some but more likely you're going to see screen passes you're going to see angle routes you're going to see you know flat passes those are the plays you're going to see and why in the hell wouldn't you put Nick Chubb in, in a screen situation with his speed? He can catch. Um, why wouldn't you let him run some of those wheel routes? He made the catch of the year two years ago for the Cleveland Browns in a contested catch situation that was better than anything I've ever seen Kareem Hunt do on a contested situation. Um, as good as Hunt is as a receiver. And one of the best routes Nick Chubb runs that nobody talks about is the angle route, which is actually a difficult route to run. Um, he's very good at the angle route. Um, so I have Nick Chubb at 50 targets, 38 catches, 338 yards, outpointing Kareem Hunt um, by basically one reception for 10 yards um, in the passing game as and then basically splitting it down the middle in terms of production. Obviously, there's upside for Hunt to, to be more dominant in that respect. But what I actually think is going to happen here is we're going to see, this is me hinting at what's going to happen in the run game. 
Chubb's going to get most of the carries, but Hunt's going to get a significant, going to get maybe every other series and occasionally be on the field at the same time as Chubb and they alternate carries that way. But Hunt's going to be the number two who's actually productive enough to be a fantasy relevant player, but not productive enough to where people are drafting him right now. Right. Yeah. So I'll start, I'm going to start with the runners. I mean, just to like taking a quick step back. I mean, I do have Beckham as the one on the team. Landry as the two in terms of targets. I have Hooper as the three. I've got Hunt as the four. Chubb as the five. And then I've got, um, you know, some other guys sprinkled in. Then you've got Njoku and Higgins and Peoples-Jones with smaller roles based on the way I think, you know, the offense is going to work with the personnel that they want to use, like you, you mentioned earlier. So, you know, what I would say, you know, around Hunt and Chubb, one of the issues I have is everybody refers to last year. And first off, this isn't the same offense. No. This is a totally different offense. So – when you come out and you run 12 and you run 21 packages, right? So you get two tight ends on the field or you get two runners and they sign Janovich, which we already talked about. You have two outside receivers that are really good. Do they have questions? They got to get better. Yeah. But I mean, these are proven pros Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham jr. Are not coming off the field. So Kareem hunt can play receiver. That's stupid. It's just not. And if it does, it'll be an occasional, oh, here's a wrinkle we're going to use this week to get a look we want. It's not going to be because then people, oh, he's going to play the slot. Well, if things are going the way they want, how many slot snaps are going to be there? I mean, this is a team that ran the second most 12 personnel. I mean, sorry, the Vikings were under Stefanski. They ran the second most 12 personnel to any other team in football besides the Eagles, who basically had to because they were the walking wounded. They had to play, and they liked 12. The Eagles do love 12, but they they ran out of receivers, you know. So down the stretch, I mean, Goddard and Ertz were on the field together all the time. So then it comes, well, oh, well, they'll take Janovich off the field. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why would – why? When we look at the way this offense is going to work, think about Kyle Shanahan's offense. Do they pull Kyle Juszczyk off the field to put Matt Breida on the field with Raheem Mostert? And again, I get it. Kareem Hunt's better than Raheem Mostert. So I hope people aren't taking that wrong. I think Kareem Hunt's a very talented yes. running back. I just happen to think that Nick Chubb is the best in the NFL. I think he's number one, you know, I'm uh, with you. And, I, and, and I love Zeke, you know, I'm, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I love Zeke, but I think Nick Chubb is number one and as good as Hunt is. I, when I think about the way this offense works, how do I get, Kareem Hunt on the field really that often at the same time as Nick Chubb. I'm not going to substitute a tight end that often because I like them as a blocker. And that's how I keep my opponent wondering, are they running? Are they passing? Are they running? Are they passing? As soon as I put Hunt out there with Chubb and let's say I do run, what advantage is that giving me? Kareem Hunt can't block like a tight end. No. You know, Kareem Hunt can't block like Andy Janovich. It's, this is an offense that's about execution and making everything look the same as far as pass and run. It's not about 4,000 different wrinkles and paper cuts. That's not what this offense is going to do. They're going to line up. And I'm not saying they're not going to try to find ways to get Kareem Hunt involved. Here, here's what I could see, Matt. Like, I think the best case that I try to come up, going back and looking at this kind of offense, would be going back to the 2016 Falcons under Kyle Shanahan. They had Devonta Freeman as the main guy. And they, they did use Tevin Coleman as kind of a chess piece player. And they moved him around. But he wasn't on the field all the time. But he won on efficiency. Yes. Not on a huge number of snaps. Yes. Not, not because he was out there all the time. He won based on the space that was created for him. And then he, he used his speed in the open field to make big plays. Now, I think Hunt is way better than Tevin Coleman. So that would be the way it happens. But to find that kind of efficiency when you're splitting between two backs on the way the offense is going to think, I think you're kind of as good as hunt is. And I really do think hunt's good. Uh, I think it's a bit of wishful thinking. Um, and not to mention, you know, just the fact that when I, when I think about, again, all the off season moves, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, man, they didn't even try to really sign a slot receiver. <laughs> 
they're not worried about it. They're going to run. That's why they wanted Joku to stay is because they're like, dude, we have three tight ends. We want three tight ends because we always want to be able to play 12 and 21 as much as we can. We'll go to 11 when we're losing. And in those games, you could see Hunt get some slot snaps. But those are going to be games when, you know, Cleveland's not getting to do what they want, which I think is just going to make it hard to predict. Which weeks am I going to put Kareem Hunt in the lineup? Now, if Nick Chubb were to go down, I do think Kareem Hunt is good enough to immediately turn into a top five back, just like what we no talked about doubt. with Dobbins. In fact, I would put him ahead of Dobbins just because I think he would get 80% of the work here, whereas Dobbins still has to share with Lamar Jackson and potentially Gus Edwards works in a little bit. Kareem Hunt immediately becomes everything, you know, but the same thing could be said if Hunt goes down. Nick Chubb, if Hunt wasn't here, I I would be, I guarantee you, I would I would have Nick Chubb ranked as my number two runner in all of fantasy behind Christian McCaffrey. Yep. He would be my number two. I'm with you. And so, again, so where I have them right now, I'm similar to you. I, I have Hunt at 8% of the targets. I have Kareem, I'm sorry, I have, I have Hunt at 10%. I have Chubb at 8%. So I've got them really close. I have Hunt with a slight edge sure. the way i look at it is about every third series you're going to see kareem hunt give nick chubb a breather if you're in a two-minute offense i think that kind of offense does play to kareem hunt he's shown that he can do that he's shown that he can you know he can hold up blocking well enough and and he can do some other things so i think that'll be the way they try to get him involved but if things are really going well for cleveland um i think you're going to have tr- a little bit of trouble getting value out of hunt at his current adp um but if things, you know, are going bad, you know, then I could see him getting some more value. If all of a sudden they're getting blown out by 21 points every game because Baker Mayfield's throwing too many picks or whatever, in those games, Hunt's going to factor more because they're going to have to be in the two-minute offense more. doesn't mean Chubb's a zero, but I think that that will lean – they'll lean into Hunt's receiving, you know, abilities. And that's a way to try to keep him happy, right? Um, you're going to want to give him some work. So that's where I see it playing out. So if I – if I look at their uh, yardage, I got 42 targets um, for Chubb, 32 catches, 237 yards, and a touchdown. I've got Kareem Hunt at 53 targets, 42 receptions, 340 yards, and two and a half touchdowns. So similar to you, probably not as high as what people want. You know, um, he's going to need to get to the five or six hundred range in yards to to really be worth the pick you're putting in. Because in this case, unlike the Ravens case, I see no way in hell he takes Nick Chubb's job. At least there is a chance that J.K. Dobbins could take Mark Ingram's job. I don't think it's a great chance, but I'd put it at like 70-30. There is a 0% chance Kareem Hunt takes Nick Chubb's job. So I'm not getting anything built in to my value here, even though his standalone value may be a little more than what I get from Dobbins because I do get some receiving work here. But the upside is only one path. Nick Chubb has to go down. Whereas with Dobbins, there's two ways you know, Ingram goes down or Dobbins overtakes Ingram, even though I have that at a lower percentage chance than probably you or someone like Jay Moyer, but I still see there's two paths that could be reasonable. So Hunt's a little bit tough for me and where he's going in drafts. If you're a fantasy drafter, um, you know, he's going in the fifth and sixth round. Um, So, I mean, people are banking on him having this huge role that we, if I think about the personnel of this offense, I just struggle to figure out how they make it all work. And maybe I'm just dumb. You know, maybe they do. I, I would never say it's a never, right? right? As soon as we do, it'll happen, Matt. And so Stefanski seems to be, you know, a creative guy, but I just look at the way the roster's built and I'm like, why am I going to take a tight end off the field for Cream Hunt? Why am I going to take Andy Janovich off the field? If they do, it's going to be a wrinkle, not the norm. It's yeah. just not going to be the norm that people think. Yeah. So from there, let's go to Odell Beckham Jr. Um, 23%, you know, of the targets is where I've got him at. Um, so here's the thing with OBJ, you know, I did a lot of digging because I mean, it's like you said, this guy was once an elite receiver, Matt. I mean, even take away the highlight reels, the big plays, the one handed catches that made him so famous. And those things are all cool, but he used to be a guy that separated. He used to be a guy that you could apply to any area of the field. He could beat you. He could beat you deep with speed. He could beat you deep with a contested catch. He could separate underneath. He could catch a five-yard slant and go 70 yards for a touchdown. I just, he doesn't seem, and I don't know what it is, but he doesn't seem, and it maybe it's just the injuries, but I just have a feeling the guy just has let his career slip away. Mm. He just doesn't have his head straight. And he's just not focused on the things that he, and again, he's a, like you said, this is a young person. 
this is normal stuff that people go through. We don't have to show it to the whole public. We get to mask it, you know? I mean, only our bosses or whoever our closest, you know, uh, people, uh, peers at work know what our real flaws are. They do not, they're not flaunted to everyone on Twitter. Um, but, you know, with Beckham Jr., I still think there's a chance for him to put it all back together, but he needs to kind of, he needs to do it, you know, pretty quickly. One thing that I did notice, Matt, you know, digging in, he struggled on press targets. Um, only 7.37 yards per target. His catch rate was 55% against press, and he had a 37% contested catch rate, you know, against press. Whereas Jarvis Landry, who played more outside last year, wasn't in the slot all the time, had a 68% catch rate, 10.74 yards per target against press, and 32% contested catch rate. So Beckham really struggled last year against press coverage. Um, you know, I mean, 7.37 yards per target against press is not good. A 55% catch rate compared to what he used to be able to do is also not good. Some of that can be Baker Mayfield, and that can be part of the accuracy issue. Those things easily go together. But Mayfield, I mean, but Beckham to me has just got to get his focus. I do think he still has the biggest upside, and I have him ranked as the number one. But I have Landry right behind him with 22%. It's just hard for me to knock Landry anymore. It's like every year there's an excuse. Oh, Jarvis Landry's going to, you know, this is his year to decline. And he doesn't because I just think he's a smart player. He's highly motivated. You know, he's always going a thousand miles an hour. You know, he's intense, you know, he's focused, you know, he, he loves what he does. And I just don't see Beckham being able to erase that. So I, I think Beckham carries more upside because of the big playability, you know? So, um, but as far as targets go, I've got them hand in hand. I've got Beckham at 121. I've got Landry at 116 catches 73 to Beckham. Uh, 75 to Landry. Part of that is due to the depth of target that they'll be targeted. Uh, I've got 15 yards per catch for Beckham with 1,090 yards, seven and a half touchdowns. I've got 940 yards for Landry with five touchdowns. So 230 points in a PPR, 202 uh, for Landry, sorry, 230 for Beckham, 202 for Landry. So, I mean, they're pretty close. I do think, you know, the ceiling is higher for Beckham. I think their floors though are probably similar, you know, more similar than what people think. Um, Austin Hooper, I've got as the third target, 15%. That's 79 targets, 55 catches, 11 yards per catch, 600 yards receiving, and five touchdowns. Um, and I've got Njoku at 7%. That's 22 or 37 targets, 22 catches, 265 yards, and two touchdowns. So I've got Hooper a little ahead of Njoku just because, to your point, Njoku's just been an underperformer to this point. It's like, you know, whereas Hooper hadn't been great, but he's been steady. He's been steady. So, I mean, from a ranking standpoint, that puts Hooper at my tight end 12, a little higher than yours, you know, so I have him in my top 12. I've got Beckham at 14 in my PPR rank uh, for receivers. And then I've got um, Jarvis Landry right at 30. Um, and again, part of that is, you know, Beckham, I'm baking in some upside to the actual rank that I think he still has. And you mentioned it earlier. He's still got the 1,200, 1,300 yard upside. Whereas Landry, I feel really good about what I've given him, but I don't see it being a lot more. I also don't see it, you know, being a ton less. I love it. I think those are those are great observations about these guys, and and certainly Hooper has upside if if he doesn't have to stay in the block as much. And that's going to mm -hmm. be the big issue is how well the tackles play. I anticipate they'll play well enough that I can see why the upside is that he's a top 12 fantasy option, um, you know, from a receiving standpoint. And they're not taking Jarvis Landry off the field because if there's one skill player who actually does block really well, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Heinz Ward the second Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, because that's basically what he is. You know, you described Heinz Ward when you were describing Jarvis Landry. You know, it's interesting, you know, Matt, about that. If you remember last year, um, at the early part of the season. Remember why, you know, people forget this, but Diggs was so mad in Minnesota. And the reason why is if you look at his uh, his snaps and his routes per drop back, they were lower every week than Thielen. So what was happening in, in week one, you know, you've got a game um, where it came down to, uh, you know, the Vikings won that, you know, by 16 points. Um, and then if you look at, you know, week two, week three, they were kind of up and down a little bit at first, but then, you know, they got on this roll, you know, where their margins of victory were 18, 18, 12, 10, you know, they really got, you know, cooking. And so before Thielen, you know, got hurt, which was week seven, he got hurt in that game. You bring up a really good point on Landry. And I think this could be Beckham in this offense. So his routes per drop back, 78, 83, 81, 77, 
Thielen's always 100, 97, 100, 98, 94. So to your point, I th- and think Thielen was really more of a Z and Stefan Diggs was more of the X in that offense. I very, I'm with you. I think if they go to a, if they go to formations where all of a sudden there's only one receiver on the field, it's going to be Landry. It's not going to be Beckham without a doubt. And that could cause, uh, that could cause some issues Yeah, <laughs> because if you're winning and things are going your way, that percentage that you're not on the field for increases. Now, when, when Thielen went down, that's what allowed Diggs to all of a sudden be on the field all the time. And he kind of started, he took back off from a fantasy perspective, but early on he was living on really thin margins. And that's the other reason I hesitated just to go ahead and just run out and give Beckham 12, 1300 yards out of the gate is because I'm worried that if Cleveland has things going their way, there could be games where literally Beckham's only on the field for 70% of the routes. Yeah. And you know what, if Beckham complains, good riddance. So, I mean, like as good, great of a player as he is, if the team's winning and they're playing well, and this is working well, you know, he's got to figure out that winning's more important than stats, even, you know, but hopefully that doesn't get there. One thing we'll finish up with the run game one thing that I want to bring up about the run game. When you look at Minnesota last year and you look at Dalvin Cook, who was on the verge of being a top five back last year if he didn't miss some games. When you look at what Minnesota did, I think they got 1,100 total yards of offense out of their depth chart last year. Um, and that doesn't include Dalvin Cook. Well, when you look at Cleveland's depth chart, They've got Dontrell Hilliard, who can catch the ball. Not much of a runner, if you ask me, in terms of even comparable enough that people are going to go, we got to get Dontrell Hilliard some looks, you know, and and get Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb off the field. Don't think that's ever going to be said. Brian Herrion is my pick um, as maybe the sleeper to, like, make the roster ahead of um, Dearness Johnson. Herrion's a try-hard player, special teamer, again. Those two guys, Hilliard and Arian, are mop-up duty at best, okay? So, since the... And when you look at the Vikings, they had Mike Boone. They had Alexander Madison. Two guys who could probably start competently if needed for any team in the league in terms of talent. They had Amir Abdullah, uh, who is still actually a decent NFL back, though underachieved as a starter. So... They and they still had that ham kid who's like pretty darn good too, CJ Ham. So this was a loaded they have a loaded depth chart of running back talent. And Alexander Madison got hurt down the stretch along with Alvin Cook. And they generated those guys generated eleven hundred yards from scrimmage last year, despite Dalvin Cook being nearly a top five fantasy back. So if you want a, a narrative that says Kareem Hunt might be able to give you starter production and not hurt Nick Chubb's production as a running back one, there's your answer. If they can get good work out of Baker Mayfield in this defense. The defense, I think, can be there. Baker Mayfield is the question. So when I look at this, I have Nick Chubb right now at 285 attempts, 1,450 yards for five yards per attempt, at 13 or 11 touchdowns rushing, um, so 12 yards total, 12 yards touchdown, um, excuse me, 12 touchdowns total from scrimmage and about um, almost 1,800 yards from scrimmage total as a, as a running back. That puts Nick Chubb um, as my number eight back in, um, you know, in most formats, I'd say, like somewhere in the, the bottom half of the top 10. That's where I have him. But the hidden upside, as you astutely mentioned, Dwayne, is if Kareem Hunt gets hurt. Because if Kareem Hunt gets hurt, Nick Chubb ain't coming off the field all that often. This is (laughs) going to be a career year for Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb could handle over 300 carries. And and the reason I said he could be a a 2,000-yard back, and I've been saying it for a while, well, when you look at what I just stated about that depth chart in, in Minnesota, I'm giving Kareem Hunt 600 yards rushing, 123 um, carries, 600 yards rushing, 4.8 yards per touch, per um, per carry, four touchdowns. Um, I have him at basically 
928 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns. And when you look at the Minnesota depth chart, that's kind of the low end of what they did last year. I don't think the offensive line's that much better in Minnesota. The quarterback may be a little better, um, which could make a big difference. So, you know, I look at this. If Kareem gets hurt, say week two, Nick Chubb could have a 2,000-yard season in this offense if Baker Mayfield doesn't screw it up. So yeah, that's my I, that's my look. Yeah, so you had mentioned something on Chubb a minute ago, so I did look it up. So uh, last year, the number one rated running back for PFF on outside zone, Nick Chubb, <laughs> rated out as an 88 overall. So that's with a minimum. I got to boost this minimum up. Um, let's say a minimum of... I don't want to say 100. That's probably too I, many. I just but. got to interrupt. I love that we do these because no, you may, you folks who are listening may not realize this. I don't look at PFF at all. It's nothing wrong with PFF. Yeah. It's just that I don't look at, I don't look at the data because it's so much fun to be able to like talk with Dwayne because Dwayne's going to bring up the data and it's fun to see like how wrong or how right I am like with the the field observation to the data and see how it matches up and more often than not we match up pretty well it's pretty fun yeah yeah 670 yards last year on outside zone uh that's first in the league it's not really uh well sorry derrick henry (laughs) derrick henry romped for 886 but as far as the grade goes nick chubb was first todd Gurley was still second uh on outside zone um and then derrick henry was an 80 three or an 82.8 so those are your top three guess who number four was dalvin cook and number five was josh jacobs so anyway i'm sorry you're gonna want to hear one more matt chris carson was number six i'll stop love it love it love it (laughs) but but to your point yeah and now think they've upgraded the tackles um you've got a better offensive line all the way around because the what that brings to the rest of the line it's not just those positions being better um you've got this scheme that fits him perfectly it's uh, man it's I'm so excited, you know, about Nick Chubb. So a couple of, couple of quick things, you know, on Chubb, you know, that I have here, um, you know, this is a little bit from my running back tier article that I put out uh, last week um, on pro football focus, but so listen to this among qualifiers with at least 100 rushing attempts in a season, Matt, Nick Chubb is the only running back, the only running back since 2008 to post rushing grades of over 90 in his first two NFL seasons. Think about the running backs we've seen since 2008. He is the only one to do this. So he is forced in his first two seasons, he forced a missed tackle on 0.23 of his carries. So basically, you know, uh, 23, he's not really supposed to say it, 23%, but that's really what it is. So um, he averages uh, yards after contact is a four yard average. Out of 42 backs with at least 200 attempts over these last two years, when Nick Chubb did that, he ranks third and second. I mean, the guy is insane. He's everything that I remember, you know, reading about in the RSP, watching film, reading the RSP, and getting so excited about him. Um, I mean... And he's still underrated. Yes, he is. (laughs) He's still underrated. And I think, so here's my thing. This is the other thing people are forgetting. Kareem Hunt is really good, but people don't realize how good Nick Chubb is. Like, it's just, it's insane, really, how good he is. And these are not stats that just come and go. These are stable stats that track year over year with players, meaning they basically, the best way to think about it is, um, like the way Adam Harstead would put it, is they own the stat. Like, if a guy's five foot eleven. That's a very stable stat. He's always 5'11", right? He's going to be 5'11 every year unless he gets osteoporosis, right? And he's like the hunchback of Notre Dame, and all of a sudden he loses height. But that's going to be later in his life, not while he's an NFL player. So the stats that I try to focus on the most are the ones that you know are the stickiest. And so the three things I just gave you, his rushing grade, missed tackles forced per, per attempt, and yards after contact are things that are the stickiest for runners. Now, just having those things doesn't guarantee somebody's an elite runner. There's other components that go into the game, but those things do matter and they do translate. So the way I think about it is this way, Matt. If I can average four yards after contact 
I can have a really crappy offensive line and still have a shot at five yards per carry. People say five, you know, yards per carry is a bad stat. And it is because it doesn't travel with the player because you've got the offensive line and you've got the player, you've got other things going on. But one way to think about it is if you've got a back like this with Chubb that can do that much on his own, imagine now that you put him behind this line, what could happen? Like, we could see a Jamal Charles type of yards per carry year. Like you could see a six yards per carry kind of year and, and it wouldn't be dumb to think that it could happen. So I just throw that out there because I mean, there's just like every stat I turn over with Chubb is insane. Now to be fair, um, you know, when you look at, you know, Kareem hunt <laughs> hunt ranks ninth out of 42 running backs and rushing grade over the same span. So they have the ninth ranked running back and the first ranked running back on the roster and hunt has graded out as a better receiver. And he had actually, I went back and looked, he had done a lot more work in the slot than what I had remembered. And he actually graded out like as the sixth best, best running back over the last three years operating out of the slot. Um, the, the issue is again, coming back to how often is that going to be the formation, you know, they're going to get to. Um, so he did grade out better, you know, than Chubb you know, as a receiver. And it wasn't because, you know, Chubb is terrible as a receiver. It's just, you know, some of the things Hunt, you know, has shown to sure. do in the game. So th these are two really good backs, but Chubb, you know, is, in my opinion, the best back in the NFL, you know, right now. And so I have Chubb at 62.5% of the carries. That's 280 attempts at 4.75 yards per carry, 1,330 yards. And I've got him at 10 rushing touchdowns. He's the only other, he's one of the few people that I will say, I would not be surprised if at the end of the year you told me, Dwayne, Nick Chubb rushed for 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns with Kareem Hunt still on the team, not getting hurt. It could happen. So I have Hunt similar to you. I've got him a little bit lower, and I may need to go a little bit higher on Hunt. You know, I've got him at 22.5% of the attempt. So last year, Madison, if you averaged out what Madison did in the games, he was healthy. And Dalvin Cook was also healthy. He had 21%, you know, of the attempts, you know, per game. And over that same span, um, Dalvin Cook was 64%. So, I mean, I've got him right in the range of what it was, you know, for uh, Chubb and for Hunt. And But Chubb's better than Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt's better than Alexander Madison. So it's kind of, I, I kind of landed back at the same place. But I see where what you're saying, and I am kind of considering, you know, maybe do I give Hunt I've got room in my projections, Matt. I've got like 8% just sitting there free um, that's not allocated to anybody right now, which I like to leave a buffer on all these things. Um, but I could easily bump Hunt up to 25%, you know, of the carries. Um, and, you know, that moves him up a little bit, you know, in my ranks. Um, so I've got Hunt at 101 attempts, 450 yards, and I've got him at four rushing touchdowns. So um, if you pair that, you know, with what he had, you know, receiving 337 yards. I've got him right, you know, at 750 to 800 yards, total yards. Um, but then I've got him at six touchdowns. So he's a fine flex play. You're just going to, it's again, it's still going to be hard to figure out which weeks you put him in. You know, if you've got a bunch of guys on by, it makes it easy. You're like, oh, I'll just put Kareem Hunt in there. Great. I think that's fine. But if you've got a decent roster and you're really thinking about your roster construction, I still think there's players. I would say the same thing about Kareem Hunt if you're thinking about this in fantasy terms that I said a moment ago, you know, when we talked about Dobbins, if you want to take hunt, you know, in the sixth round, because you think he gives you some flex upside, I agree. I'm not going to argue. He could do more than what I have here, but it's going to be hard to start him every week. You're better off. Go ahead and draft him there. If that's what you want to do, but plan on not starting him <laughs> out of the gate, plan on having a way that you're now going to build the rest of your roster and wrap it around him and allow him to be a luxury pick even though you had to spend a six rounder instead of, I like taking luxury picks in the ninth or 10th, 11th round. I don't like taking them in the sixth round, but I, I, you could build a strategy to make hunt viable. Um, but man, I don't know about you, Matt. I know this is kind of a fantasy bin, but I've been in so many drafts now where hunts going in the fifth round. I've seen him go in the fourth round. I'm just, I just, I, I can't, I, and maybe I'm wrong. I can't, I just, I'm like, I'm not taking Kareem hunt in, in the early fifth round. No, I'm I'm not there at all, and and I'm just so glad to be draft. I love always drafting at the at the turn, and the fact that Nick Chubb is just sitting there is just like, okay, 
I'll, I'll, I'll take free money. It's like when you talk about owning stats, the stats you mentioned he owns is like owning boardwalk and park place and monopoly and like having like hotels on them already. I mean, it's like, that's kind of what you have in Nick Chubb when it comes to owning those stats and yeah. Nick and yeah, cream hunts. Great. He's a great, he's, he's an excellent back, but Nick Chubb is the guy in this offense. They know this. They're thrilled that Kareem Hunt fell in their laps as a guy that they can have as a redundancy plan and a change of pace who could be a league winner if he and a top three, top five rusher if Nick Chubb gets hurt. But they know that Kareem Hunt's time with the Browns is pretty much done after this year. I mean, I think they know that. They'll probably have to be drafted another back. Hunt will have rehabilitated his image if he doesn't have any more off-field issues like he did after the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the latest on, you know, Hunt other than, you know, the January twenty seventh, you know, yeah. the open vodka container, uh, you know, and yeah. drug confession, you know, yeah. which was like a TMZ thing. But yeah. I don't know if you've seen anything more. Not yet. So there's also that factor that's involved. Could he get suspended during the year if that goes to trial or you know, or whatever. So it's a it's that's another addition to that but listen, it still just shows immaturity man just it does and i get it they're young but when you're kareem hunt and all that's happened and you you you're, you've got this chance it it's just and hard. i get it again yeah. it, it's it's hard it, it, these are young players but it's just like man yeah. like i want to see him succeed me too I see him me too and i just felt sad for him the fact that the super bowl happened and he knew he should have been on that team he should have been he should have been the the starting running back on a Super Bowl winning team, and he screwed that up, and mm, you know, yeah. and he probably and he punished himself worse for it, which is what people do when they're dysfunctional. They punish themselves, and it's a sad cycle to see. But one thing is is I know that y'all aren't you weren't sad to get a chance to have great analysis from Dwayne McFarlane, which we were able to do for more than two hours in this podcast, which I'm probably going to split up and do it one a piece that, and this will probably come out in early August. Cause I've run out of room on my podcast um, app to actually um, have my budget for this year. So I might have to pay a little extra to put this one on or just wait till August. You'll find out when you've, when you've been listening to this, but you know, you can follow Dwayne's work at PFF. You can follow him at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. He's awesome. And of course you can find me at Matt Waldman. And um, I got a lot of stuff coming out that my RSP readers have gotten a first look at in terms of um, the rookie wide receiver class um, and videos that you're going to enjoy on YouTube. So you can check out my RSP channel, Matt Waldman's RSP film room, subscribe to that. I think you'll find uh, wonderful content on there that'll help you learn about the game and get an edge also in fantasy. So thanks again, everyone. Have a great week.